We'll be in Mark 14 this morning, Mark 14. And then uh, Brother Overton will be preaching the afternoon service today. So if you can be back with us, we'd sure love to have you um, here uh, as well for that. And looking forward to hearing him speak. Uh, I know many of you got to, uh, a number of you men got to hear him in Sunday school this morning. And a number of the ladies got to hear uh, Tori in Sunday school as well. Um, you may not know this, but Tori's very shy. Uh, and uh, Jamie had to bring her out of her shell a little bit. But um, we have Mark 14 this morning. A young man decided he was going to skip church one Sunday to spend the day hiking in the mountains. Rounding a sharp bend in the trail, he collided with a bear, and he was sent tumbling down a steep grade. He landed on a rock and broke both of his legs. With a ferocious bear charging at him from a distance, the young man prayed, Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry for skipping church today. Please forgive me and grant me this one request. Make a Christian out of that bear that's coming at me. At that very instant, the bear skidded to a halt. He fell on his knees. He clasped his paws together. And he began to pray out loud right at the feet of this young man. The bear prayed, Dear God, please bless this food I'm about to receive. I've got another one I told my wife last night, but I'm, I'm not sure I should tell it, so we'll wait. Maybe next week, we'll see. The leaf one. Did you like the leaf one? No? Okay. We'll, we'll tell it when she's gone sometime. <laughs> Mark 14. We are uh, walking up to Easter. We've, we're going through a sermon series right now, the, the events leading up to Easter. And Easter is one of the most wonderful celebrations that we have as Christians to be able to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but with that, the victory that comes over death, over sin, over hell, uh, because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. Next week, we'll be looking at the events uh, surrounding the crucifixion. We're looking at the death of Jesus Christ. But tonight, we're going to look, or today, we're going to look at the trial that led up to that crucifixion as well. Last week, we talked about the events in the garden, and the, uh, the betrayal of Judas. Today we're looking at the trial of Jesus Christ. And in Mark chapter 14, look with me if you would, in verse number 53. The Bible says, And they led Jesus away to the high priest, and with him were assembled all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes. And Peter followed him afar off, uh, even into the palace of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. And the chief priest and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death and found none. For many bear false witness against him, but their witness agreed not together. And there arose certain and bear false witness against him, saying, We have heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But neither so did their witness agree together. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is, uh, is it which these witness against thee? But he held his peace and answered nothing. Again the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And he shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest 
rent its clothes, and saith, What need we any further witnesses? Ye have heard the blasphemy, what think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. And some began to spit on him, and to cover his face, and to buffet him, and to say unto him, Prophesy! And the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands. Today we're looking at on trial. We've got three thoughts to look at uh, today over these few verses. Lord, I pray for your help this morning. I pray that as we come and as we get closer to the day that we celebrate the resurrection, Lord, these next two weeks and the passages that we're looking at, uh, they, they can be hard in the sense that we look at everything that you, Jesus, went through and that you went through for me once you went through for us. God, I pray today as we look at these few thoughts out of these verses, God, I pray that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us, that you would motivate us to live more faithfully for you. And God, I pray that as I present these passages that I would do it clearly and correctly, and I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. We see here this trial. We know it's a sham. We see here this trial that Christ was put on. Going into it, they already knew what the sentence was going to be. They already knew they were going to say guilty. They already knew that at the end they were going to put him to death. They just had to figure out how they were going to get to it. And so they bring in these false witnesses, people who had never talked to Jesus, people who didn't know him, people who weren't around him. Some of them, I'm sure, were in the crowds uh, when Jesus did his miracles and he taught and things like that. But nonetheless, they were finding people now that would come up and give false witness towards Jesus to ultimately put him to death. Our first point this morning that I want us to see is Christ was on trial, not for his wrong, but for their want. Not for his wrong, but for their want. We see here in verses 55 through 59, there was no true crime that Jesus committed. We'll see it again with Pilate, as Pilate stands before the people and he says, I find no fault in this man. And yet they still shouted, release Barabbas, the, the criminal, the crook, the, the murderer. Release Barabbas, we want Jesus dead. So they were, they had, it was not for anything that he did wrong, it was for everything that they simply wanted. The true crime here was actually the false witnesses, those that were coming and lying about what Jesus had. And these people that were running the trial had the authority to punish those people for lying, yet they had no interest in doing that you know it's interesting but the world is still looking to put Christ on trial not because of anything Christ has done but because of things that they want it's it is amazing to watch the things that people will put up with versus the things that people are upset with isn't it and, I mean currently going on in our world today we see the cancel culture we see cartoons being taken off the air you know Elmer Fudd can't have a gun because that's dangerous and then the same person who says that allows their children to watch movies and play video games that are just littered with violence, and not to mention the music that they're listening to as well. You see, it's not because there's something wrong with Elmer Fudd, it's because there's something else that they want. Now, Elmer Fudd's not God, I'm not, saying, I'm not comparing the two, right? But you see that the world will go after anything that they want and they'll be able to say that something else is wrong. And they're doing that with the church today in America. There are many people across America today that are trying to say, preachers should not be able to preach what the Bible says. They should not be able to say certain things. They're calling it hate speech. And listen, I've heard a lot of preachers in my life, and, and there's a, there, there might be 
an argument against some of them saying it's hate speech. Some of the things that are said are wrong and they shouldn't be said. But when it comes to the Bible and you look at the Bible, if you believe the Bible, you follow the Bible, the fact that America was founded on biblical principles, all of that coming together, you come to this point now where people are saying, you should not be allowed to preach what the Bible says because it hurts me, it offends me. And you can't just say, well, listen, hell's fire is going to hurt a lot worse than your feelings hurt right now. Because they don't care. They just want to only hear what they want to hear. And so today they are still putting God on trial. They are still saying that God is bad and what I want is good. It's amazing to see, and it's so, it, it's so easily hypocritical. It's so easy to see the hypocrisy in it. It's so easy to see the gaps in what they're attacking, yet still they're going to attack. And you know what the truth is? It will not stop until Christ returns. It is going to be an ongoing attack. It's going to be an ongoing trial. It will not stop. And here they see in this trial in verses 55 through 59, verse 55, the chief priests and the council, they sought for witness against Jesus for the purpose of putting him to death. And so they found none, it says in verse 55. They were saying, hey, does anyone here have anything on this Jesus that we can put him to death for? And there was no one that stepped up and said, yes, I saw him do this, I heard him say this, uh, he did this. No one could do that. So then in verse 56, it says, Many bear false witness against him, but their witness agreed not together. They weren't good witnesses. They came and lied about Jesus, and this person came and lied about Jesus, but it didn't fit. It didn't mesh. It didn't make any sense. And, and as, as conniving as these priests were that were trying to put Christ to death, they were trying to make it a case that could stand. Right? They weren't just going to say anything, throw anything at the wall, and we'll just go with it, because it had a process they still had to go through. It was going to have to go to Pilate. It was, there were things that were going to happen. So they were trying to make sure they had a good case. These witnesses that came at first, their witnesses did not agree. The story didn't stick. It didn't, it didn't fit. It, it obviously was not true. So then, in verse 57, there arose a certain, then, uh, excuse me, verse 58, uh, they said, We heard him say... I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. That's not what Jesus said, but what he did say was, speaking of his own body, I will, just, I will tear this temple down, and in three days it will rise again. But they say said, he said he's going to tear down this temple, which is against the law, by the way. You're not allowed to tear down the temple. And, uh, but it was not something that was... Uh, a, a death sentence for and the priest looked at it and they said okay but that's not enough that's not going to work that's not going to do the job and so they continue to bring false witnesses against him and none of their witnesses verse 59 agree together it just wasn't working and so then we see that that here the high priest asks him two questions he starts by asking him in verse number 60 answers thou nothing uh, what is it which these witnesses against thee? And Christ was silent. He did not say anything. And so continuing to be frustrated, the priest asks again this question. He said, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus spoke from what we understand for the first time, and he said, I am. Now, they were looking to get him on blasphemy at this point, as we know. 
But this was not blasphemy. This was the truth. Yet they said, he is claiming to be God, therefore we can put him to death. Number one, Christ was on trial not for his wrong, but for their want. Number two, Christ was on trial not for the truth, but for their truth. Not for the truth, but for their truth. In verse 61, they ask the question. In verse 62, Christ answers, I am, and ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Verse 63, then the high priest rent his clothes. Oh, he was so sad. <laughs> so evil. He rent his clothes in disgust and in sorrow that someone would claim to be God. And he says, what need are we any further witnesses? We don't need anyone else to speak because they're all worthless anyhow. And he says in verse 65, verse 64, excuse me, ye have heard the blasphemy. What think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. He was not on trial for the truth. He was on trial for their truth. Me and Katie were recently talking about this, this, this phrase, my truth. You hear people say it all the time. This is my truth. This is his truth. This is her truth. This is my truth. You know what? There is only one truth. It can't be my truth and your truth. It is the truth. But Christ wasn't on trial for the truth. He was on trial for their truth. In verse 62, he told the truth. I am. I am the Son of God. Not only are you going to see it, you're going to see it really soon. <laughs> In three days after you crucify me, I'm going to rise again. You're going to see a dead man walking. But he's already been dead. He's alive. He's not a zombie. He's, he's actually fully alive again. So much more goes into the crucifixion of that. We'll cover it next week. But you think about all that happened that showed that Christ was God in the, the, that, that lead up and during the crucifixion, the, the darkness that covered, the earthquakes that happened, the voices from heaven. As Jesus Christ put the weight of sin, the sin of the world on his shoulders and took that, that ultimate punishment on the cross. But he said, and he truthfully said, I am the Son of God. But that wasn't their truth. And that's why they said in verse 65, uh, excuse me, verse 64, ye have heard the blasphemy. That was their truth. You see, we talk about this a lot, but the things of the world are at enmity with the things of God. They, they don't mesh, they don't blend. It will always be that way. Sin, um, godlessness, wickedness, it doesn't mesh with the things of God. And there are a lot of people who are trying to do so today. They're saying, listen, I understand that God says this is wrong, but I feel this way, and I still like these things about God, but I also want to do this thing in my life. My truth is, this is the way God made me. And so I'm going to live this way, even though God says it's an abomination, even though God says it's wicked, even though God says it's wrong. 
this is my truth. Now listen, the world is going to do what the world does. We have to stop thinking that the world is going to be godly, because they're not. They never have been. And that's not going to change, because they live for themselves. They live naturally, the way that comes natural to us. We're no different, right? The thing that makes us different is Jesus Christ living within us. The thing that makes us different is Jesus Christ's salvation and the fact that we came to the realization that I'm a sinner and because of my sin I deserve hell, but because of God's love and because of the gift that he gave in his son, I now have heaven. That's the only thing that makes us different. Sometimes if you're like me and you grew up and you got saved at a young age as a kid, and you grow up and you, you always hear about these things are bad and these things are good and don't do this and, and you lived a generally upright life, you can tend to think that, boy, all those nasty, wicked people out there. But the reality is, is I'm no different with the exception of Jesus Christ. And I live by the truth as opposed to my truth. That's what I'm supposed to do. You see, the Bible, God's word, literally, God's word, is truth. There is nothing in the Bible that is a lie. You may not agree with me, but I'm telling you, that's what I believe, that's what I know to be true. And there are things in the Bible that are not what we call black and white. There are things in the Bible that we hear people say, and they say, you're not supposed to do this because the Bible says so. And then you ask them, where does the Bible say so? And they read a verse, and you, you go, but that's not what it says. It's just what they have uh, attached to. It's not to say that what they're doing is wrong. It just may be a misunderstanding of Scripture. It may be a, applying a good thing in life, assuming it's biblical and it's not necessarily biblical. The principle might be biblical, but the Bible doesn't say thou shalt not do this or thou shalt do this. Right? So you understand what I'm saying with that. But there are other things in the Bible that are very clear that God says we should not do or we should do. That is the truth. And there's no getting around it. We don't talk a lot about standards in the church. We spent a sermon series on it several years ago. But, but you, know, you and I can have differing standards in the way that we dress and the music we listen to and the entertainment we watch, whatever. You and I can have different standards in our lives and both be right in our own lives by doing what God has told us to do individually as we prayed about and asked God the standards that we should set in our homes. And listen, we, and I know our family, we have, we have seen uh, wide spectrums of this in, in churches across America and friends that we have that we went to school with or that we grew up with or whatever it may be. And we're still good friends with those people even though we dress differently or we listen to different things or whatever. Maybe it doesn't matter. We're both right because we've prayed about it. God's told us what's good for our home, and that's what we do. But there are other things that we have friends that say, this is my truth, but the Bible says it's wrong. But what it means is, no, the Bible says. Yeah, but that was written a long time ago. Yes, but the Bible says. And the God that wrote the Bible, the God that, that has it for us to have today is a living God who's still alive today 
that's as relevant as he was before we all got here. And we are to live life according to the truth and not according to my truth. And we ought to live life according to the truth and not their truth. Because their truth is always going to contradict, I say always, is almost always going to contradict the truth. Sometimes they'll make it sound good. Sometimes they'll get it really, really close. And you think, well, it looks okay. It's probably fine. I, I always heard the statement, uh, if you're wondering if it's right or wrong, it's probably wrong. That may not always be true, but I think a lot of times it is. And if you see something, you go, you know, that's not the way that I remember hearing it. What have I always told you? Go to the Bible. Do some research. Don't trust the pastor. And again, I hope that you trust me, but just because I say it doesn't make it true. If the Bible says it's true, maybe you grew up in a church. I grew up, I love the pastors that I grew up under. I've got nothing bad to say about them. Um, I was under Pastor uh, Kelly until I was in third grade. I was under Pastor Lee until I was a freshman in college. Uh, and then I was kind of under Pastor Swanson while I was in college. And then I was under Pastor Swanky for a year. And then I was under uh, Pastor Hill for several years. And then, uh, and then we became pastor. And all those pastors helped me in different areas and in different ways. Pastor Kelly was the pastor I was saved under. I was saved at home, but uh, I was saved while we were members of their church, and he was the one that baptized me. Pastor Lee was my pastor during the most influential time of my life, growing up, uh, you know, as I got older and as a teenager and things like that. Pastor Lee gave me opportunities in the church that not every pastor would give a, a foolish young teenager and uh, gave me opportunities to serve in different ways and do different things. Pastor Swanson... Uh, my pastor in college, he kept me uh, where I needed to be until God could get a hold of my heart. You see, all these things are important and they are, they are helpful, but just because those pastors said something isn't what makes it true. Hopefully, they said it because it was true and they said it because it was biblical. But when you hear something and you start to question it, take it to the Bible yourself. That's why you're supposed to be reading the Bible. That's why it's not just on Sundays and possibly Wednesdays that you go, that's my Bible time. No, it's every day you're supposed to read your Bible and learn. Why? So that you know the truth. Because we are to live by the truth. Listen, God doesn't, when it comes to uh, uh, eternity, God doesn't go up to someone and they say, listen, this is my truth. And he goes, oh, that makes sense. No, it's the truth or not. God doesn't make decisions based on what you think he based on what is true and god says that you're a sinner and god says that because of your sin you deserve to be punished and that punishment the wages of sin is death it's eternal separation from god and hell that is the truth but god said he sent his son as a gift and that even though we are sinful and wicked, Christ still loved us. And he gave his life for us. And the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He also says in John that he who has not done that, I'm paraphrasing, is not saved. There is two literal places, a place called heaven and a place called hell. They are real. They're not imaginatory. I was talking with someone this week 
and we were in conversation about theology and uh and he said something he talked about heaven everything seemed to be fine and in line there but then he said if you're not going to heaven then there's just nothing now listen that's hopeful thinking because if there was no hell then what would be the point of doing anything godly you remember he says that uh, moses uh, decided to uh, forgo sin for a season to suffer with Egypt. Again, I'm paraphrasing. That's because there are pleasures that come with sin, but they're seasonal. They go away. We spend so much time trying to tell kids, if you do this, if you sin, if you do wrong, you're going to live a miserable life. Well, then they see wicked people in the world living a pretty lavish life, and they get confused by that. It's a seasonal pleasure that sin brings. It might be a long season. I have no idea. For some people, it could be. It could be most of their life, a pleasurable life. But guess what? Your time on life does not nearly match up to eternity. And hell is no pleasure. But when we go by our own truth versus the truth, we're going to find that the truth still wins out in the end. See, Christ was on trial not for anything that he did wrong, but because they wanted him to be. Christ was on trial, not because of the truth, but because of their truth. And then lastly this morning, uh, I want us to look at this idea of on trial, not, not by fear, but by boldness. Let's look at Peter. Uh, we're still in Mark 14. Look in verse 66. You remember we read in verse 54, Peter followed Christ. If you were with us last week, you were there in the garden. And right before the garden, when Christ says, you guys are going to scatter, and Peter said, I'm not. I'm sticking with you no matter what. Well, we also read that they did scatter. But Peter now was following the events. He was following where they were taking Christ, and he is there now outside of this trial. Verse 66, And as Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, uh, and thou also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. Uh, I don't understand what in the world you're talking about. Right? That's what he's saying here. And he went uh, out into the porch, and the cock crew. You remember from last week, Christ said, before the cock crows, uh, you are going to deny me three times. And a maid saw him again, verse 69, and began to say to, to them that stood by, this is one of them. And he denied it again, and a little after that stood by said again to Peter, surely thou art one of them, you know, those 12 guys that hung out with Jesus, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth there too. That accent couldn't get away from it. Verse 71, he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man whom ye speak. And the second time the cock crew, and Peter called to, the, to mind the word that Jesus said unto him before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. We oftentimes are like Peter, and I've told you before, I don't, I don't, I'm not harsh on Peter. A lot of times we'll look at, at uh, people in the Bible and we'll look at the mistakes they made and we'll go, how in the world could he do that? 
He was with Jesus every day. He saw Jesus doing miracles. He saw Jesus' blessings. He, he, he listened to Christ teach. He heard Christ's words. How in the world could he do this? And then I think about my life. I say, boy, I've seen God's blessings. I've got God's words. And yet so often the way that I live denies who Christ is and my association with him. I want to encourage you this morning to not live by fear but by boldness. Peter, when he was being accused of being one of those that was with Jesus, he was fearful because he assumed the consequence would be pretty rough. They were trying to put Jesus to death and they were doing it by any means possible. He says, I, I, I don't want to die. And listen, I get that too, right? I think most of us, I hope, would say, I don't want to die. And they said, you're one of them, one of those guys that hangs out with Jesus. And he says, I don't know what you're talking about. Then that, that, that old dialect, you just can't get rid of it sometimes. When I was growing up in high school, especially, I had a pretty thick Tennessee accent. Then I spent four years in Wisconsin in college, and it began to fade away a little bit. And every now and then it still comes back, and every now and then it gets thicker than it, than it is usually. But, you know, if I, if I go, for instance, if I go to Alabama, they wouldn't say, you must be from Kentucky because of your accent. If I go to California, they'll say, you must be from the South. Here they're sitting around and they're saying, no, your voice, your, your dialect, it doesn't match up with here. You're not from here. You are one. So what did Peter have to do to make them believe he wasn't one? He began to shout. He began to curse. He began to swear. That old mindset, would someone who followed Jesus do this? Listen, if the answer is no, you shouldn't be doing it. Right? Yet here is Peter. And as he cursed and he swore, he's saying, I know not this man whom ye speak. It was a moment of fear for Peter. Yet many times aren't we the same way? For fear of consequence, we don't boldly stand for Jesus Christ. Most of us have a workplace that we go to five days a week at least. We have opportunities to stand boldly for Jesus. But out of fear, and it's amazing, I always thought that as a kid, when you got older, it wouldn't matter, but peer pressure. Well, I don't want these people to make fun of me. I don't want them to not talk to me anymore because they, they just think that I'm going to talk about Jesus all the time. I don't want them to do this. I don't want this. I don't want, and listen, I'm not saying break rules right at work, but there are opportunities to be bold for Jesus, and yet still by fear we choose not to. Boldly stand with Christ no matter the consequence. Boldly stand for truth. We already talked about it, but this world is not truthful. And we've got to take a stand for it. There is a time to be silent, right? There is a time that we're not to stand up and fight. But there are other times that we must. And we're watching slowly as our country is chipping away at truth. And we need to pray and ask God, is now the time for me to boldly stand? And if it is, we must decide I will stand boldly with God. Because there's going to come a day 
and I am not a doomsday preacher, but there is going to come a day in America where truth is no longer tolerated. It might not be in my lifetime. It might not be in my kid's lifetime. I have no idea. But there is coming a day. I mean, it's not hard to see. There is coming a day where truth is not going to be tolerated by those who scream, you need to be tolerable. You need to tolerate me. They're going to say, I'm not going to tolerate you. You see, our life should be geared not by fear, but by boldness. Boldness for truth and boldness for God. We look at Jesus Christ, he was on trial. There was no reason for him to be on trial. He had done nothing. As a matter of fact, he had helped, right? He had helped those that were sick uh, to, to be healed. He had helped those that had never walked. Now they could walk. He had helped those who couldn't see. Now they could see. This is helping the communities that he's going through. Cleansing leprosy. That's a big deal. The doctors couldn't do it. But Christ did. I would assume, I don't know this, but I would assume he brought some money into the communities that he was in as well because people were spending money there in the marketplaces and things like that as they came to see Jesus and see the miracles and see different things. So if you're going to look at it from a uh, government perspective, you're going to look at Jesus and say, he's actually pretty helpful. He doesn't cause violence and riots and things like that. Uh, as a matter of fact, where he is, it's oftentimes peaceful. Now you have people who are yelling and screaming and they're yelling and screaming at Jesus, but... But overall, the masses and the multitudes that we see that are around Jesus, they are there sitting and listening. You have parents who are bringing their children that are on their deathbed to him, saying, can you please heal my son? The doctors can do nothing. And he did. You had people a few days into a funeral Watch their loved one walk out of the grave. Everything he did was helpful, yet he was on trial. Not for anything he did wrong, but for their wants. They said, we need to end this. And who was it? It was the religious people. Religious, I hate religious people. Uh, I shouldn't say hate, but, uh, right? You've seen them. You know who I'm talking about. Religious people are so annoying. They say, listen, Jesus... You're messing up my thing that I've got going on here. You remember there was a guy, um, he was, uh, 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 I, think, I think he was called a sorcerer, and uh, he was out there, and uh, he was doing miracles, so to say, and he watched as Jesus and his disciples were casting demons out of people. And he could not get this demon to leave this one person. He offered money to the disciples. How much can I pay you for you to give me that power? He was well-known. He was famous in his area. He would do all these great things, supposedly. But it was all not for good. It was for greed. And they said, you can't buy this power. This is power only given by God. That upsets him. And others who were doing religious things, they say everything that we're telling people they shouldn't do. Christ healed someone on the Sabbath. You're not allowed to do that. Okay, well then you should have healed him yesterday. You didn't, so I healed him on the Sabbath. Religious people get all caught up over this things. Well, wait a second, you're not allowed to do that. I didn't say you could do that. That's not how we do it. I don't care. What does the Bible say? Do that. What is truth? Do that. What is right? Do that. 
Christ was on trial, not for his wrong, but for their want, not for the truth, but for their truth. And then we see Peter, uh, we need, he gave us the example that we should not live by fear, but by boldness as well. We are just around the corner from celebrating, we should do it every day, but celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the victory that came with it. But may we not forget the events that led up to it, because all of it was done. Everything that Christ went through was done for me and for you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to keep in mind your great love for us. God, I know there are some times where we go through trials or hardships and we say, God, why are you doing this to me? God, why are you allowing this to happen? But God, it does not take very long for us to take a look and see how much you truly love us. And Lord, this is just some more examples of it. God, I pray that we would understand that the world, they're after you, not because of anything you did wrong, but for the things that they want, not for the truth, but because of what they want to be true. And God, I'd help, I ask that you'd help us to not live by fear, but by boldness to stand with you in what is right, to stand with you in what is true. God, guide our lives uh, that we can live a life that you are pleased by. And God, that our hearts would be truly surrendered to what you'd have for us. And that, God, no matter what happens in this country or in this world, God, we will stand for what is right. And we will stand for you. God, may we not forget what you've done for us, I pray. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. The piano is playing. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands today or anything like that. I'm just going to ask you, if God's spoken to you about something today, would you take a moment to pray and, and deal with that with God? It's between you and Him. You're welcome to stay at your seat. You're welcome to come to the front. If you want someone to pray with you, we're happy to do that as well. God loves you, and He's proving it. He has proved it. And we're looking at that proof here over these several weeks. Maybe there's a, a moment in your life where you can say, you know what? I wanted this, and it's different than what God wants. To be honest with you, Pastor, I kind of put Christ on trial over something that I wanted and not something that he's actually done wrong. Maybe there's an area that you would say, you know what, I want this to be true, but I realize it's not true. I've been fighting it, but today I'm going to let God have it. I'm going to follow his truth. Maybe there's been fear in your life over consequences or different things, and you would say today... God spoke to me about being bold for him, and I'm committing to do that. Over the next several moments, whatever God's spoken to you about, would you please deal with directly with him?